The Free For All Roundtable. Round one. On round one this morning, we say good morning to Tim Hudak, former leader of Ontario's Conservatives, now at the Ontario Real Estate Association. Laura Babcock from Power Group Communications, also host of The O Show. And Mark Warner is here, international trade lawyer. Happy Wednesday to you all. Um, Let's, well, I was going to say touch on health care. It's such a vital file, but sometimes I think people's eyes roll up into the back of their heads, even though it's, it's life or death in some occasions. So, Laura Babcock, your analysis, and I'm not sure if you've been listening this morning, we've had some interesting conversations with people decrying what's wrong with the healthcare system, but a lot of people seem to uh, be on to what, you know, to, to feel that what the government is going to do about this may actually be an improvement. I think we need to try to be innovative. I think if there's an opportunity where we can outsource some surgeries or some minor procedures that are clogging up the hospitals, I mean, we also heard this morning about all the emergency rooms that had to shutter and just what a crisis there is in our healthcare system in terms of staffing. I mean, I think it's good to look at options. What I don't want and what I'm not convinced of based on all of the messaging around this plan is that these so-called guardrails are in any way going to be robust. This is not a government who's got a legacy of a holding business <laughs> to account, right? I mean, one of the first things they did was to protect the owners of the LTCs. And then we saw in the pandemic what a disaster the LTCs had become. And so when they sit there and they say, oh, you know, we're, we're going to put up guardrails, you look into the details, which at this point are vague and they talk about you know some, most will be pr- put out publicly what's going on but there's some things private due to the the way business operates and I, I look at that kind of muddy language John and I have concerns that before too long we're going to see a system where it really is pay to play for healthcare, and that's my concern is the equity not that we need to innovate or get more access I think that's great but there needs to be equity it cannot turn into where rich people get to the front of the line in this province okay Mark Warner you've worked with the provincial government in the past and I think Laura makes an interesting point that uh, you can come up with all sorts of rules and regulations but the provincial government has not been very good at enforcing them yeah I, I don't know know about that John. what I wanted to really say about uh, this is my perspective on healthcare comes from living in the United States and living in Paris and in Brussels and having different healthcare systems. And I have been back in Canada for the more time now that I was away. And I've just not never got used to the wait times. I'm sorry, it's not first world medicine. And these very ideological conversations that we love to have in Canada about some mythical system that just doesn't exist, has not existed in a great many years. I know I have a close family member who's been waiting for a a test that she would probably get, you know, the next day if diagnosed because of perhaps malpractice reasons and nothing else in the United States under a plan that I would have, any plan I would have been under the United States or France or Belgium. Um, we're still waiting for it. Uh, I think she's scheduled at the end of April. So look, you know, for something she was supposed to have uh, in last November. So I can't have any more of these conversations about some ideal system that just doesn't exist. So yes, try something new. Um, governments do fail, but you've got to try because what we're doing now isn't working. And so I, I can't have a conversation where you're pretending that the thing we're doing now works, but it doesn't manifestly doesn't work. Tim Hudak, your thoughts? 
Yeah, the only thing I don't like about this plan, John, is its modesty. Uh, th- this is very, very uh, basic tiptoe-in-the-water reform for something that is commonplace in pretty well every other province in Canada and pretty other, pretty well every other nation in the world outside of North Korea and Cuba, for goodness sakes. Look, I mean, it, it makes sense that you can relieve the backlog and have non-invasive minor procedures done in clinics, just like has been happening for the last 25 or 30 years. This clears up more room in hospitals to do more complex procedures and surgeries, which we desperately need considering how far behind we are because of uh, COVID. It'll attract more people into the healthcare system, which we do need. And you're going to get better outcomes because when you specialize in a procedure, it's been demonstrated over and over again, the outcomes are superior than if you try to be all things to all people. So I'm saying, yeah, get going. They can go even further in this direction. Some activists and especially members of the black community in Toronto are raising concerns about a superintendent who was promoted to superintendent. His name is Rick Shank at Toronto Police Service. Their concern is he's been involved in three incidents, two of them fatal, involving black men. He was cleared in all three of them. Um, but he's apparently the only Toronto Police Service employee who's ever been involved in two fatal encounters. Mark Warner, is there cause for concern here? Uh, I think so. I mean, I, I, I don't know the facts of the of the cases he was involved in. I mean, I don't have a great deal of uh, confidence in, um, you know, our review processes around police-involved uh, violence or shootings or killings. So, you know, having been active in that in my much younger years, um, I sort of gave up in that activism because I really realized it was not going to lead anywhere. and don't think it's ever really that anywhere. So this isn't the first time. It's a throwback. I thought that the new police chief was supposed to be a reformer and an all-around good guy. So this is an odd way to start. Um, so I, I can't, you know, I, I don't really understand that. But the, the key to these things is you have to get these people out of the system. And, um, you know, that's where you've got to focus is how do you, how do you have better uh, investigation and review tools and HR policies within police forces allow you to get the ba- weed out the bad apples. Because as long as you let the bad apples stay in there under the fiction that you didn't find them guilty of anything, then it's hard to deny them promotion. So that's where we that's the that's the part we have to fix it seems to be worth noting for the timeline i don't know why this is coming to light now because his appointment was two years ago so it would have happened under the previous chief but laura babcock it's kind of a catch-22 if you go into this guy's official file he was never found guilty of anything but as mark warner said how hard did they look well, the optics are terrible. I mean, it's not just that he didn't leave the force after being involved in these two killing incidents and a beating of black people, but it's the fact that they've put him in charge of like professional standards. <laughs> so, so it is. It is as though uh, then the, you know what finger is being given to the community on this. And you might say, well, the guy wasn't found guilty, and maybe he's a super fantastic cop. But the fact of the matter is, we just had the Toronto Police come out with a huge report talking about their problem with racism, right? And so then the next thing that you do is say, no, the person who's going to ensure we have good professional standards is someone who is involved in the killing of two black people. The activists shouldn't be the only people who are up in arms about this. It should be all of us who thinks that this is a terrible message for the Toronto police to send. And if this new chief is supposed to be this performer, as Mark said, this ain't the way to show it. Okay, Tim Hudak. 
Well, look, I think it's important to shine a light on the uh, entire career uh, of an officer that's put in a position of um, uh, influence uh, like this in a leadership uh, position. I, I suspect, uh, I, I believe Mark is uh, is right that the standard that the SIU may have done in 1993 would not be a 2023 standard. But I think it's also important to look at the, you know, 27 to 30 years hence. Has he been a leader in the department? Has he shown any signs of racism or, you know, anti, anti-black or any kind of inappropriate activity to take on this position? It sounds like his record has actually been quite a strong one in leadership. Let's see how he does in the job. Um, the opposition leader, Pierre Polyev, is giving Justin Trudeau 30 days to close Roxham Road. Roxham Road is a place in Quebec on the border with the United States, and tens of thousands of people have crossed into Quebec. As you heard earlier this week, some of them ended up in uh, hotel rooms in Niagara Falls. Uh, Mark Warner, you're the international lawyer. I realize you're a trade lawyer, but surely you can bring some perspective to this. Um, I don't think it's unreasonable to close access to these people. They are not the genuine refugees that Canada is normally here to help. Well, you know, immigration is always fraught, and so is refugees. I mean, the, the whole distinction between legal and illegal, I think, is always is not perhaps the best frame to look at this from, because, you know, if you pick and choose countries that have the areas of the world that are leading to most migrants are not the ones that we say we want to take them from. So that's always going to lead people who are going to try to come in from other means. So I don't, I just, the framework of analyzing legal versus illegal I think doesn't really solve the problem. I think the problem is maybe we are pulling people from the wrong parts of the world and then people are, are going to, um, you know, try to defy it. Now, in terms of this, it's an international agreement with the United States. It's kind of hard to abrogate that agreement. And, and there, I think what I would say is I just don't think the Trudeau government has been very effective in its diplomacy, frankly, with any of our allies, particularly the United States, whether it's under Trump or Biden. And the way you solve a problem like this is you, you have to give them something um, on some other file that they really want. Um, the, the way that they've approached negotiating with international uh, our allies, particularly the United States, has been this sort of playing to the domestic audience. And so they don't, when they come to an issue like this, which is an issue of some national importance, they don't really have anything to offer the United States in a meaningful way to get them to change their policy. But you can't do it unilaterally. Sorry, Pierre. Um, that's not an answer. The way I would attack him is the way I describe. I think that's that's the way to go after Justin Trudeau on this. Often forgotten, Tim Hudak, is you used to be a border officer. And the thing about Roxham Road is it's not an official crossing. So Mark's right. The, the gray zone in terms of international agreements is extraordinary. Yeah, well, well, look, I, I think they should close down Roxham Road. It is an illegal point of entry. I, you cannot, by definition, uh, be a refugee coming from the United States uh, of America. And, and look, there are legitimate uh, refugee claimants who are going through the proper process. There are legitimate people who are going through our immigration system who desperately want to, to live in Canada, to contribute to our economy, to raise their families here. And, and they're shut out of the sidelines, people who are effectively breaking the rules. I think this is the equivalent of what's happening in the U.S.-Mexico border. It's moved now from a flood to a torrent of up to 40,000 people a year coming across Roxham Road. Francois Legault is right. Polyev is right. You should close down this illegal entry. A, a teacher was uh, leading a class discussion about residential schools when one of the kids, probably based on the Wenjack books, uh, talked about how kids were abused and sometimes uh, killed. Uh, in residential schools, and the teacher corrected him and pointed out, no, well, about half of them died of TB. Uh, Laura Babcock, I sense there has to be more than this one incident, which seems to have led to the teacher being fired. I don't think just speaking off the top of your head once in a classroom gets you sacked. 
Oh, this makes me so sick, like actually nauseous. I mean, in the same day that we're hearing stories about new graves that have been discovered and about, you know, hundreds of kids who have died and them saying that some of it was medical because of poor conditions in the schools. We're hearing that news. We have Indigenous people having to deal with that uh, terrible news on the same day that we're hearing about this thing that I didn't know existed, John, but residential school denialism. Like that's a thing now where people think that they can just walk around and say that, no, no, it didn't happen. It was all for good. And TB got them. That's not what happened. I mean, haven't we done enough harm? Haven't we caused enough injury? Do we have to add insult to it by having these idiots deny it? I mean, whether it was one time or 10 times, I'm glad this teacher does not have the influence of young minds. We're finally, finally catching up on our Indigenous education in this country. My kids are in like grade, they're in grade seven and grade nine, and they're finally reading books of about this that I never had access to living out in Manitoba in the 80s. I think this is incredibly important and let's get these teachers on the accurate historic curriculum or get them out. Thank you all. We're at a racetrack, but a very passionate round one. Tim Hudak, Laura Babcock and Mark Warner. Catch the round table. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.